Hello, this is Guy Clapperton, and just before the Near Futurist podcast starts, I have to confess there is an error in this edition. I state at one stage that Coca-Cola did not write the song I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing, or rather they didn't commission it, they adapted an existing song. That, I found out subsequent to the recording, is completely mistaken and completely untrue. It was tailor-made for Coca-Cola. However, it provoked an interesting discussion, and the interviewee made some very interesting points based on my misapprehension, so I have chosen to leave it in as it was originally recorded. I am aware, though, and I would urge you to bear in mind, that particular assumption of mine, that particular misapprehension, is a complete mistake. Now, on with the show. Hello, and thanks for streaming The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. This is a fortnightly look at the technologies that are going to affect our lives in, wait for it, the near future. The Nike Flash, Coca-Cola Red, the McDonald's M. Now, the vast majority of listeners will have an image in their minds immediately I mention those things, and that's because branding and image is so visual, or is it? In this episode, I'll be looking into sonic branding. I'm not looking at games involving hedgehog. My guest is one of the world's foremost experts on audio branding, with clients including Mercedes-Benz, Mastercard, Deloitte and Porsche. He's won a range of international awards for his work with AMP, among others, four Red Dot Awards in a row and an ADC in silver. He's a member of the prestigious Audio Branding Society and also guest professor of the renowned design university NABA, Nuovo Academia della Belle Arte in Milan, where he teaches sound branding for the Master Certificate in Sound Design. He is founder and CEO of AMP Sound, and his name is Michele Arnese. Michele, welcome. Thank you, Guy. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. Now, this sounds really interesting to me. First of all, tell me about AMP. What do you do and uh, what's the background? Thanks for the question. And this is always a little bit tricky to explain exactly what we do. We create basically everything you can hear from a brand. We call this a sonic identity. So we contribute with our work to create strong associations with brands, emotional associations, because where everything you can hear from the brand on every kind of channel can be designed. And this is what my agency does. And we started AMP more than 10 years ago. So our agency journey is basically parallel to the audio branding journey as well. We started with a lot of education on this new topic of brand design. And we have now a big team at AMP. It's a multicultural team, a diverse team. Uh, We speak 15 languages. We are in Europe, US, and Asia. And this is a niche, what we do. But for a niche, we are one of the top leaders in the world. We have two main points in our agency. We are not just a music production or a branding agency. Basically, we are both. So we understand brands and we understand sound. Okay, now audio branding isn't something I normally think a great deal about. I mean, I'm as familiar as anybody else with radio jingles or television advertising uh, music. And of course, the sound that my Apple computer makes when it starts up, it's a well-known sound, but it's not strictly necessary. It's not the sound of a computer starting. It's a sound they've deliberately put in there and play through the speakers. Is this the sort of thing that we're talking about? And uh, why is audio branding important? (laughs) <laughs> Good question from you, because you are da- you are doing uh, audio branding right now. <laughs> you are creating a product you, with your podcast with a near futurist, which is based on your voice. So your voice transmits values, experience, emotions. So you have also sounds, you have your guests. 
So this is an example, an excellent example of a sonic branding for audio-only listeners. So why audio branding is important is a good question. We have, for example, last year, um, the market research company Ipsos measured the most effective brand assets. So if you are a brand, how can you create as a brand the, the greatest level of brand attention? So we have a visual logo. You mentioned at the beginning, the M of McDonald's. You have slogans. You have music used in your communication. And Ipsos measured the 2,000 advertisements in the US to see which level of brand attention which brand cues create. And if we take the visual logo as a reference value by 1.0, 1.0, we go to music that creates a little stronger level of brand attention by 1.2. And at the end of the scale, after celebrities and everything, you have sonic branding cues. They create eight more than eight times higher level of brand attention than just the visual logo. So... This is the reason why audio branding is very important because you can connect with your audience, the audience and the brands in a very, very strong emotional way, in a seamless way, because music and sound is always there. It's just the question how to use it in a way that I can transmit the right idea, the right emotions behind the brand. And this, is, this had a, has a long story. A jingle started in the 20s. The first jingle was basically played live in a church. So then you have like the radio in the 50s and 60s. People just listen to the radio all the day. And of course, the jingles were born. After that period in the 70s, brands started to create longer moments of audio engagement with brand songs. If you remember, for example, the, the Hilltop iconic advertisement from Coca-Cola, where the Coca-Cola song was born. And uh, in the 80s, you have Pepsi, Michael Jackson. So starting this kind of epic collaboration between the music industry and the brands. And then in the 90s, the commercial on TV created also the need of a distinguishing uh, like sound element at the end of an ad. And uh, this was the, the rise of Sonic logos, Intel, T-Mobile, etc. After that, you could find sound in the products. If you start your computer, as you said, or if you remember the start of Windows 95, this was made by Brian Eno. So sound became part of our day-by-day -day interaction with brands until now, where you go to digital channels, social media, and it's full of sound and music. So the growing number of all these kind of audio relevant moments of truth for the brand engage with consumers on different levels. That's why sonic branding is very important. Audio branding is very important uh, for the brands. Okay. It's an interesting example that you picked uh, a little while ago. You mentioned the Coca-Cola song, which I believe was I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing. Um, <laughs> yes. I happen to remember that from my childhood. <laughs> now, that was a song already. It wasn't the Coca-Cola song. It was a song they just picked up. There's other examples. Uh, I mean, I know you're in Italy, so this may not mean an awful lot to you, but there's there's a major British quiz show called Mastermind. I believe it's been uh, internationally successful. But the theme tune was just a piece of library music called Approaching Menace. So I'm, I'm just wondering whether, and, and everybody in the UK will know the tune I mean. You probably don't accept that it's a local reference. But I'm just wondering how many of these things can be picked up, how many of these things are 
already existent, and, uh, or whether there is more has become more of a focus on having your own sounds tailored to your brand. Yes, uh, exactly. So this is changing. And by the way, the Coke example, they changed the lyrics from the uh, original song. So they tweaked the lyrics to match the brand. So there are basically two versions of that song. And uh, uh, it's a question of, you know, you as, as a brand, you don't borrow your visual logo. So, and of course, brands are more conscious now than like 20, 30 years ago about the concept of owning their own sound. So there is a shift, a paradigm shift from just borrowing something and using, and then just maybe some years later, just changing with something else, then maybe starting investing in creating something that belongs to the brand identity. So depending on the touch points, you are different sound elements, and they are true to the brand more than in the past. Okay. Um, so what sort of issues do clients come to you with? I'm, I'm just wondering whether marketing departments actually think we need a sound, or do you have to go to them and proactively say, you need a sound? This is really a good question because this changed in the last 10 years. If I look at our start, you know, 10 years ago, we went to the brands and we talked about how sound, how it was important for them and everything. And this changed like maybe five years ago, six years ago, where brands started from themselves to think about sound strategically. And they all know in marketing how sounds affect the brand perception, right? So this is something, one of the discipline of using sound is not new, but the new, I, the new question that they have and they struggle, our clients struggle with is uh, they don't know really how to evaluate it because everyone is a DJ and this is the backside of, uh, of the story. So they uh, often don't know, uh, often don't know how to brief or how to create something in line with the brand itself beyond just the next uh, a track that they pick for the next advertising campaign. And here we help. So we create a subjective language to speak, to talk about sound and music, to uh, learn how the brand should sound and should not sound. Sometimes the don'ts are even more important than the do's. And, uh, and th this is here where our expertise is asked. Do you want to sound as confident as my interviewee in this episode? If you talk to the press or other media, are you worried you'll be misquoted, or they'll just publish their story and not yours? Clapperton Media Associates can help with coaching. Drop me a note, guy at clapperton.co.uk, and we'll arrange a time for an exploratory call. Now, back to the podcast. Now, obviously, we've just had, and I hope we're coming to the end of the COVID era, the COVID year or whatever. The first thing everything one did when that started was to stop making phone-only calls and to start using visuals on Zoom or other or Microsoft Teams or whatever else they were using. Did this push sound branding into the background a bit, do you think, because people stop relying on sound so much? Although I am now picking up a lot more people saying, can we just do a phone call? Basically, I observed the contrary of that. We have seen in the last months that, yes, the way we communicate changed a lot with our calls in Zoom and all these kind of virtual environments in the communication. And exactly for this reason, sound strengthens the emotional connection where the physical connection is not given. 
And we see that a lot of clients, a lot of brands in very different sector change their approach, how they present their products. For example, if you think about moving from a big event with center stage car premiere presentation to something purely virtual, where you need the sound exactly to recreate that connection that you have in that live moment in the, in the physical space. This is something that happened in the, last, in the last months. Or let's take the fashion industry. If you see that the fashion shows were, were not possible and uh, the fashion brands started creating uh, short films and uh, really pieces of art around the fashion collection, using the sound as a trigger, as a trigger of very, very strong emotions. I think what happened with COVID and the change of the way uh, we communicate created an even stronger need for sound on these different levels. I must be missing something, though, but I mean, I can't think of a single sound associated with Mercedes-Benz or Porsche, except the noise the engine makes. What, what have I missed? Are, are you talking about the adverts when you work with these people? Well, probably you are missing hundreds of stories and reels and videos posted every week in all digital channels. So the, the, the brand communication gets more capillary. And this is really, this process has been accelerated also during the COVID time. This is a way of communicating for brands, which is faster, which is more capillary, which is also very local sometimes. So all markets are communicating in their own channels. So the big blockbuster campaigns are not so engaging like some years before ago. So the engagement happens at a different layer, at a different level now with consumers. So in all these hundreds of videos and stories every week, you have sound, you have music. So this is what you are missing in. Uh, and of course, you have still the car. So you have the sounds in the car. You have also creating uh, special events around cars and the premiere and everything. But the very quick engagement, fast engagement on social, this is something that requires a lot of uh, music and sound. That makes a lot of sense, and I accept that I've probably just alienated every car fan uh, who might have this, <laughs> uh, by failing to spot these hundreds of examples. Um, fair enough. Uh, taking it more broadly, though, sound does have a very deep psychological impact on humans. I'm just wondering whether it's been neglected as an element of corporate life overall. Yes. So, Guy, I am allerg allergic uh, against the term corporate sound. <laughs> okay. No, exactly because what you said, sound has a deep psychological impact on humans. And I mean, this is really the reason why uh, sound branding, sonic branding, audio branding, you call it, you know, has been so important in the last period because exactly that impact can be driven by brands to create stronger brand memory structures and also associate the brand with certain emotions. So this is really beyond the corporate life, which is, of course, part of the brand journey or the ecosystem, if you want. But in the consumer engagement, at all levels of consumer engagement, sound should be a trigger of emotion. And uh, if it's not like it is, so music and sound... This is uh, something that you can, you know, uh, name as a corporate sound. So something use it just for the functional need of it. There is beyond the functional need of the sound and the music, there is the need of the psychological impact on humans in terms of engagement. 
And this has been also measured a lot. We do it also when we create the sound for a brand. We measure that level of psychological impact on humans, which images are you know in your mind when you listen to certain sounds against some other alternatives or which emotions are associated with that sounds everything it's it's also tested before it becomes part of the cop of the brand identity at the end i suppose also there's examples where if you mess around with the sound too much it can actually spoil the effect i mean well, later this year assuming covid retreats properly there will be the final at last release of the uh, the next daniel craig james bond film probably his last james <laughs> yes. bond film that theme tune uh, or the the initial james bond theme they took it off his first couple of films uh, initially and it just felt wrong it's really i hadn't realized until speaking to you how conditioned i am it's like a sort of dog whistle it's that uh, you know that that theme tune is so so well known a phrase i've heard uh, quite- uh, okay this is a good point by the way you are talking to one of the biggest uh, james bond sound experts so <laughs> we use james bond as an example of a really fantastic sound dna that has like the longevity that it cannot be imagined by by brands so after 50 years so and i am with you so i think that it feels a mistake losing that you know recognition in the very last one the the fact that uh, has been so successful is because the james bond the sound of james bond is not based on a single jingle it's based on a set of ingredients that can be combined in a very different way if you close your eyes you listen to shirley bassey you know and you recognize james bond and you listen to adele in 2012 with skyfall you still recognize james bond very well even though adele she doesn't use any of the melodies of the original james bond but she uses the chord progression so the the beauty of the james bond sonic identity is just you know the fact that is not based on one single small melody or a jingle but is based on a set of ingredients that can be combined and reused this makes the recognition very very strong and also keeps the creative flexibility over the the, the years that's why i don't understand that uh, that last point so um and uh, uh, this is basically for us an example of a very successful sonic branding yeah, absolutely. I was actually thinking of the uh, the opening uh, title sequence, the um, the gun barrel logo. It always has the same theme, and, and for a couple of films, they removed it. But we, we could talk about this for quite some time. If we ever meet, we probably will over a beer, but we should get back to the, uh, uh, the subject <laughs> yes. for the rest of the uh, business. I keep hearing the phrase immersive sound. Perhaps you could tell me a bit about what that is. Immersive sound is more something, let's say, uh, just a description of something more technical, comes from the idea of not just being a, a passive listener of something, but to be in the middle of a sound experience. So immersive sound is now in the uh, consumer technology. So what, what I'm just wearing right now are the new Apple AirPod Max with the spatial sound in it. And uh, this kind of experience puts you in the, in the middle of the sound. So you have a 360 degrees sound around you and of course, a lot, uh, a lot of new possibilities are open in that space. And you see that also uh, TV streaming companies and also technology companies, audio technology companies, TV companies are producing now consumer electronics with immersive audio in it to have this kind of 
360 degrees audio experience beyond the old idea of putting five loudspeakers around you and having this uh, Dolby experience at home. This is more seamless. This is something that goes beyond just single points of sound. And this technology now that has been used for years in the past, uh, more mostly for big events and brands, now is in the in the living room of everyone. So this is an important breakthrough in, in the world of audio. And I'm sure that brands are taking on this. The type of content we will get from the brands will be adapted to this new way to listen. We did a project for Porsche years ago, was called The Sound of Porsche. We created an immersive sound with a very complex audio system, you could stay in front of a 911 and you could do a virtual drive and you were really in the middle of the scenario. And uh, if I think about, this was 2015, if I think about the way the technology we use it to create that experience, and if I think now what I can do in my living room, which is like a leap after that experience, this is incredible. And it's also, um, you know, in terms of people's living rooms, it's becoming surprisingly affordable. Um, I'm, I'm finding the stuff that I would have exactly. dreamed about uh, only a few years ago and thought, you know, that's going to cost thousands. It really doesn't uh, anymore at, at entry level, level at least. Big question for me, I suppose, is you're an audio specialist. and I made the possibly unwise decision to ask you to listen to an episode or two of this podcast <laughs> before coming on. So Let's assume I don't have the budget of a Mercedes-Benz or a Porsche. What would I change? What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong here? So thanks for the question. And I did, of course, my homework. And uh, um, to be honest, this is the first time I do this evaluation, you know, publicly and, and live. So I have two feedbacks. One is a functional feedback. So I like the exciting sound when you start the podcast, but I think that you can just stop that exciting pulsating sound and creating something more atmospheric when you start talking because you can create a higher level of expectation and tension. So this is a functional feedback. And about the sound, yes, you use the futuristic cliche, right? So it sounds very futuristic and the sound is pulsating. It's very similar to the news. So something that something big is expecting is happening. What I can tell you is maybe think about a more acoustic but textured sound because basically the future will sound more organic than we can imagine now. That makes a lot of sense, but I paid £27 for that piece of library music. So that's, it's, <laughs> I'll have to give that some very careful thought. Funny thing, I did have it, people who've listened for a long time, um, forgive me talking about my own show on my show, uh, but I did have a um, sort of echoey effect of me saying, The Near Futurist, a podcast with Guy Clapperton. And a whole lot of people thought that there was something wrong with my microphone because there was an extra echo. So that's why I scrapped that. So I suspect I can't win. Final fact, thank you very much for the feedback. I'll go back and have a look at that. That's really very kind of you to take the time. But uh, finally, um, how do people find out more about yourselves and what you do? Well, it's pretty easy. If you go to ampsoundbranding.com, there is a greatest collection of sounds of some of the most inspiring brands in the world we work for. And I think it's a very diverse collection. So it's interesting to click through and uh, have a listen. And I am on Instagram and Twitter with my name, Michele Arnese, and you can uh, follow me. Yes, this is the way you can reach out. It has been really an interesting discussion, very good questions. And I'm happy to, to reach out to anyone who has 
more specific question on this uh, topic. Michaela Arnese of Amp Sounds, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And many thanks to you for listening, of course. That was the Near Futurist podcast with me, Guy Clapperton. Don't forget to have a look at the website at nearfuturist.co.uk or my media training site at remotemediatraining.com. I'll be back in two weeks' time. Thank you. Thank you.